now. There I am. Uh, some of you guys know, I, you've heard this week, I actually got um, my wisdom teeth taken out, all four wisdom teeth. And so I got some stitches in my mouth right now. And it's good. It's, it's awesome. Not really, but it's fine, right? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> the Lord's good. But I, I was just sitting in uh, worship, and my buddy Reuben, he like passes me this note. And I'm like, what is he passing me? He goes, you look like you have a potato in your mouth. <laughs> Love you, bro. That's what he says. So, <laughs> oh man. Anyway, I thought that was funny. I got a kick out of that. So if you see me slowing down, for those of you guys who know me, I'm a pretty high energy guy. I tend to shout and yell and do a bunch of crazy things. I'll probably still do that, but um, if I collapse, you know why. Um, anyway. So, for those of you guys who've been coming the past couple weeks, uh, we've been making our way through a series called Because He Lives. And what we've been talking about is, is that Jesus' resurrection, right? We started this right after Easter. Jesus' resurrection changes the game completely, entirely. We've been given a new identity because of His resurrection and what He did for us on the cross. And today we're going to be starting something new it's kind of a corny title, but it's because he leaves now, right? We go because he lives to because he leaves. And what we're talking about is now that Jesus leaves as, his, as God's children, as, as Jesus' followers, we have a responsibility. We have something to do here and now, right? It's not just believing in Jesus and making it to heaven one day, but it's actually believing in Jesus and following him here and now. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the mission that God has been on from the beginning of time. And all throughout the Bible, we're reading the story of this God who is just hungry for his children to come back home to him. That's what we read about all throughout the Old Testament is God living with his people, God calling his people to himself, right? And, and that Jesus, this mission of God is seen so clearly in Jesus because he is gathering the sheep. And when Jesus left, we know about the Great Commission, right? Many of us in this room have heard the Great Commission. He gave us this mission. He said, you're going to carry on what I've been doing. You're going to carry on my ministry. I'm passing you the baton. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the Great Commission. But before we start, I just want to pray really quick. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you, God, for being present here right now. You're not a distant God. You're not just some legend of old, God. You're right here, right now. You're all around us, God, and you're filling our hearts. And so, God, we just praise you for that, God. We thank you for what you did for us on the cross. We thank you for your resurrection and that you poured your spirit into our hearts. And we just pray this morning, God, that you'd be glorified and that you'd speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Jesus gives a commission to his disciples in each of the four Gospels, but we're going to be talking about Matthew 28 this morning, right? And, and the other day, I was, I was reading Matthew 28, and, and the thing, and my heart was just getting fluttery, and I was getting stirred, because you read this whole story, and what's happening is, you know, Mary and Mary Magdalene, they're going to the tomb, and all of a sudden there's this earthquake, and there's this angel, and Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. That's insane. I mean, come on. If, if Matt died today, which I hope he doesn't, but no, none of us would expect to see him in three days. In the same way, like the disciples are like, shoot, man, when, when Jesus was arrested, they all scattered. But here's what we see in Matthew 28 is that they scattered in fear, right? They scattered, absolutely terrified, our best friend's getting killed, He's, we're, we're screwed, is basically what they're thinking in their heads. And then they come back to Jesus in Matthew 28, and this is what he says to them. 
Listen to this. He says, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I, I just want to, like, let's put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. They're freaked out. They're paranoid about their friend. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes to them. And the first thing he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Come on. Jesus hasn't just been given some authority. He hasn't just been given a little bit of authority. See, in their minds, when they're hearing this, they're probably like, oh yeah, like, wow, holy cow. He just rose from the dead. And these leaders, these religious leaders, the government that was killed him, man, like he has authority over them. But that's not just what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, when I rose from the dead, the enemy scattered. Every power and principality ran for cover. See, Jesus didn't just do a little thing on the cross. See, what he did was he defeated the enemy. Come on. If that doesn't get us excited, I don't know what will, because that changes the game of our entire lives. Jesus didn't just do a little thing on the cross. He completely defeated the enemy. Come on. That should get us excited. Does that get us excited? Jesus destroyed every work of the enemy. There's nothing that the enemy can do now that can, that can take away Jesus' authority. He's on the throne, and no one's going to knock him off. And that's the first thing he tells his disciples, right? He doesn't come to them and condemn them for running away. He comes to them and he just reassures them. He goes, hey, look, I've been given all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples. I love the way Paul puts it in Colossians 2. He says this. Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness. (laughs) It's funny. Stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Come on. He was not their prisoner. They were his. See, what Jesus did on the cross is he made us clean. He washed us clean. He took our place. See, now the enemy has no grip on anyone who believes in the name of Jesus. Amen. The enemy can't do anything to us. Why? Because we're, we're covered by the lordship of Jesus. He made a spectacle out of the enemy. He made a fool out of him. He ran for cover. See, that's what Paul's saying in this message, and that's what Jesus is saying in the Great Commission. He's saying, look, I have all authority. You have no reason to be scared. Why would you be scared? Look what I just did. And in that, uh, come on, my, my past is completely washed away. You know, some of us, we, we wrestle with that. We wrestle with the, the past, the tension of our past, right? What we did in our past before Jesus. Well, guess what? It's done. It's annihilated. Did you know that, that when Jesus is coming to his disciples and he's talking to them, he's like, look, this is changing the world. Now you have the message of hope. See, church, we know hope. We know life. We know resurrection. See, we don't live in our past anymore that's defined by our mistakes and our our failures and the darkness that consumed us. No, we've been set free from that. And that's what Jesus is saying because get what he says. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. He's saying, because I've been given authority, go. Go and tell everyone about what I've done. 
It's not saying go and tell everyone who already follows me. They're, they're right there. You know, there's, there's others, uh, other, other places. But he's saying go and tell the people who've never heard this before. Man, I've won. And you don't have to live in brokenness anymore. If you follow me, you enter into redemption. You enter into a full life. You enter into a life that's connected to God and you don't have to live the way you're living before me. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples because I am in control. Go and tell everyone about me. Go and tell everyone that you know what can change their life and it's Jesus. Come on. That, that's the call that we've been given as followers of Jesus. We've been given the call to make Jesus known. Not just to receive him and then kind of coast through life. It boggles my mind. Even in my own life, how, how sometimes I, I'm just so, like, casual about it. Like, I want to be able to speak about Jesus casually, but I don't want this message to be casual. You hear what I'm saying? Like, this isn't, this isn't an urgent message. Do you know that everywhere we go, every single day, there's someone who doesn't know Jesus? I guarantee it. We pass by hundreds of people each and every day who don't know life. This isn't a little message. This isn't just kind of like a feel good for the rest of the day and then get, dwell on our struggles again. No, this is like the message that changes the game. This is the message that, that changed all of history. One man in three years did way more than we could ever fathom doing with our entire life, right? He's changed the course of eternity. And he's saying, because I've done this, now go and tell people about it. You know, oftentimes we hear about the Great Commission in the context of like a missions trip, right? Or like short-term missions. Well, Jesus isn't doing a short-term, short-term missions advertisement here. That's not what he's doing. He's not saying you need to go to a new and foreign place. Now, hear me, in other places when he's commissioning his disciples, he talks about different places that will go. But that's not what he's getting at here. See, when he says, therefore, go, he's not saying, now go to a new place, go to a foreign place, go to a different place. He's just saying, go on in your life with this perspective. What? That I am in control and no one's going to knock me off my throne. Hallelujah. He's saying, go forth and know this. I'm in control. You have nothing to be afraid of. Who can hurt you? Who can come against you? If I'm for you, who can be against you? That's what he's saying in this message. He's not saying, like, you have to go to a new people. You have to go to a new... No. Live your life with this in mind. I am in control. Can you imagine if we lived that way every single day? Like, I want with every fiber of my being to wake up in the morning and have that be the first thought in my mind. Jesus, you're on the throne. Amen. Come on. Because then we, it changes the way we think about things. Because then I go to work, and I'm not just going to work with my own, my own desires in mind. Like, I'm going to work, and I'm seeing that my work is actually a mission field. You hear what I'm saying? When, when I realize that Jesus is on the throne, he's completely washed me clean, he's made me right with the Father, and now I can have fellowship with God, and I'm living in this mindset every day of that's my, that's my reality. That is my life. I'm right with God and I walk with him everywhere I go. He's with me. If that is my perspective, the lens on which I'm looking through, that changes the way I approach different situations of life. All of a sudden, I'm treating my wife differently. All of a sudden, I'm going to work and it's just, I'm seeing it as God using me in my workplace. I'm, I'm with friends out to eat. And I'm not, it's not just a casual, I'm out to eat, but it's like, man, there's an eternal wait to this. Everywhere we go, we have the opportunity to shine the light of Jesus. 
Everywhere we go, we, we host the presence of the Holy Spirit, and He wants to get out of us to go touch other people. It changes the game when we're looking through this perspective. See, Jesus is saying, don't live like the world lives. Before I know Jesus, I, a lot of you have heard my story, before I knew Jesus, I was hopeless. I was depressed. I was into drugs. I was looking for escapes in all these different avenues. But once I came to Jesus, He called me out of that mindset. He called me out of that way of living. He said, you don't need to live like that anymore. Why? Because I am in control. You don't need to be living ruled by fear and timidity and anxiety. Now, granted, I I still wrestle at times, right? I'm not perfect. But he's saying he's constantly calling me out of that. You don't need to live in that. That's not the reality that I've made. (laughs) That's not the reality that I've, I've brought you to. See, I conquered death. I've been given all authority from the Father. And you live in that now. Now walk in that. Believe that. Trust that. Nothing can come against you. Nothing can kill you. Even if I die, I don't really die. (laughs) Come on. Even if I die, I don't really die. See, the reason that Paul was able to be whipped, beaten, shipwrecked, stoned to death almost, the reason he was able to go through all those things and say, I consider it joy, is because he knew who was on the throne. Come on, if we're walking with this lens and this perspective, all of a sudden our problems aren't really problems because we know who's already won. You hear what I'm saying? All of a sudden when I am going through valleys and I am going through shadows and I'm not seeing my breakthrough, I already know who won the battle. And all of a sudden, these light and momentary afflictions don't even hold any weight compared to the eternal glory that's coming in Jesus Christ and Him reigning. Come on. That's how we're called to live, and that's why, he's, that's why Paul is able to say, consider it all joy. We read that, and we're like, what are you talking about? You don't know my life. We don't know his life. He gets shipwrecked, beaten, persecuted. But he knew who was on the throne. And that is what Jesus is saying. He goes, I've been given all authority. Put this lens on, and now walk through life like that. Believing that, stepping into that, trusting that, that nothing, even death, can't separate you from my love. See, this, this great commission is really an invitation to live unlike the world, to live separate from the world, to be a light in a dark place. And I love the way Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5. This is something that's just been blowing my mind as I, as I read it and read it and dwell in it. But this is what he says. He says, So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, whether we are alive or dead, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. That is, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others to be reconciled to him. Listen Listen to what Paul's saying. Okay, the great, so the Great Commission is an invitation to not live like the world anymore, but to live with this new lens, this new perspective. Jesus reigns, he's redeemed me, and now my whole life is geared towards bringing him glory. Everywhere I go. And so Paul's saying, look, my, my, our whole ambition in life, like when, it's all bo- when it all comes down to it, like it's just to please God. That's it, that's it. I'm not living to please man, I'm living to please God. He goes, because I know that one day I'm going to stand before him. And, and, and look, like when we're in Jesus, 
Like we'll stand before him, we'll have to give an account of our life. And, and I love the way the Amplified uh, Version like, kind of like explains this to us. He's, we're going to have to give an account of the use or the misuse of our time. See, Jesus imparted a gift of redemption on my life when I came to him. He said, you're redeemed, you're washed clean, I see you as holy and spotless and blameless. And, and, and one day I'll have to stand before Jesus and he'll ask me, Pete, what did you do with that gift? Did you just sit on it? Has anyone heard the, the, the story or the, the parable of the talents, right? We read about this master who gave um, talents, like this currency to his servants, right? And the first two servants, they went and they invested it and it multiplied. The last servant didn't do anything with their talent, just sat on it. And needless to say, like when the master came back, he was a little bummed out. I'll put it that way. He was a little disappointed. What Paul's getting at here is one day Jesus is going to look at us with love in his eyes. And he's going to say, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? I redeemed you. I brought you out of your sin. I made you a new person. What did you do with it? Did you sit on it? Or did you actually go and sow the seeds? That's the account that we'll have to give to, to our Father who loves us. Who's look, he's going to be looking at us with, with love in his eyes. He's just going to ask us, honestly, give an honest account of your life. And Paul's saying here, because I understand that I'll have to do this one day, we work hard to persuade others to be reconciled. Because I understand, see, he's saying, I, because I do this, I live in to what we're calling the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28. He goes and he willingly spreads the message of the gospel. I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth, therefore Go. Go and make disciples. Tell people about who I am. Spread. My, 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 my mentor says it so well. He says, we're supposed to sow generously. Sow the seed of Jesus generously. Throw it every, every opportunity we get. Man, we're sharing about Jesus. Kind of looks like I'm doing a dance move when I do this. We're, we're sowing the seed of Jesus. Everywhere we go, every chance we get, we're just throwing it out there. And guess what? I'm not going to see every single seed sprout. But the ones I do see, see sprout, I'm going to tend to them. All of a sudden, I'm making a disciple, right? That seed that sprouts, I invest in them. I pour in them. That's what discipleship's about. Is man, it's spreading seeds. It's going for it. It's telling, G, about G, telling the message of Jesus anywhere and everywhere I can. And when, when, when someone receives it, I, I, some of my most fond moments of just walking with the Lord and, and listening to His Spirit have come from when I was working at, my warehouse, at the warehouse last year. And, and the Lord would just challenge me and say, Pete, be present. You wanted to move to Michigan. This is what you got, man. You're working at the warehouse. You got to like it. And, and, and you're not just supposed to just try and make it through your day. You're actually supposed to do something. So I would just go there and I'd so generously. I went through some really long days where I missed my family. I didn't really have anyone here except Jess. And I, I was... I was like, gosh, dang it, I made a mistake. But I would I'd just keep sowing, keep sowing. And the seeds that I saw sprout, I just had one of, this guy come up to me. I mean, he's, he's in his 50s, but he told me, he said, he looked at me the other day when I saw him. He said, you have no idea how much your friendship means to me. Your prayers came for me, and they, they strengthened my life in a, in a time where I needed it the most. Come on. This, it's, it's living a life that just sows generously. We're not living for ourselves anymore. We're living for the glory of God. And see, this is what Paul says. says, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we've died to our old life. I'm not hanging on to this stuff 
that used to, to cripple me. And you said, see, when the disciples were standing there, when Jesus gave them this commission, <laughs> them abandoning Jesus probably wasn't even on their mind anymore. They're just too busy gazing at the resurrected king, and he was giving them a purpose. See, it's the same way for us when we come to Jesus. We don't need to be caught up in the past. We just gaze at Jesus and let him direct our future. And he says, so since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we've died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. See, this, this is an invitation. Lay down your life. It's not about you anymore. I've redeemed you. I've given you an eternity with the Father. Now go with my reign in perspective. Put on my lens. Look at life through my lens. Don't live for yourself anymore. Live with making my name known as your main agenda. And he says, verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And he goes, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Look, he said, just as God was in Jesus, reconciling, bringing back his children to himself. So now we've been given this task. See, Jesus is standing with his disciples, and he goes, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. In other words, he was passing his baton to us, and he's saying, everything you saw me doing, right? Because that's really what Jesus is saying. He's basically just saying, do everything I was doing. He made disciples, right? He was, he was just giving his ministry to his followers. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, like, look, because we've been brought back to God, made right with God, now it's our task to tell other people about this. That's our duty. That's our responsibility. That's the message that's ingrained on our hearts. And the way he closes in, 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 in verse 1 of chapter 6, he goes, We beg you, don't receive God's gift and then ignore it. Come on, that, that should pierce our hearts because... When I read that, I mean, I think about so, how so many people, like, we just nonchalantly, we don't, don't really care about it, we just hold this gift of grace, and we just are unchanged. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> he says, don't live that way. Please, don't. He said, we beg you, please don't live that way. Why? Because there's people out there. God's not done. And, and, and sometimes I have to remind us, so peek it over yourself. His story didn't end when you came to the Lord. You got, a, you got a purpose to fulfill now. See, Jesus has trusted us to carry on his ministry. See, God could do this all on his own, but for some weird reason, he's chosen to invite us into it. He could do this all on his own if he wanted. But he's saying, no, I actually value this. See, he's given us the great co-mission. He's invited us into the mission of God. See, we see the mission of God so clearly in the per person of Jesus. He was bringing the world back to himself. And in the Great Commission is him inviting us into his mission. Now, now come and do everything that I've been doing. See, when they saw the resurrected Jesus, 
when the disciples saw the resurrected Jesus, they knew that everything had changed. They went, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and we read in the book of Acts, worship, proclamation, worship, proclamation. All they did was worship and tell about Jesus. That didn't mean they went and quit their jobs and became like hippies on the side of the road just telling people about Jesus. No, they, they just lived their lives with that being their main purpose in mind. I just want to glorify Jesus. Like Paul said, I make it my main ambition to glorify him, to please him. You know, the biggest lie in the church, in the Western church is this, is that sharing the gospel or talking about Jesus or whatever, like that's just for the missionaries and the evangelists. I don't see that anywhere in my Bible. I don't see that anywhere in my Bible. All throughout Acts, we read the stories of everyday, normal people, not highly specialized, not trained in the ministry, just people who follow Jesus, making him known. And what do we see? We see the greatest revival, people's lives getting changed. That's what I see in my Bible. God doesn't need us to go get a master's of divinity or master of theology. He doesn't need us to go through seminary training. He doesn't need us to do all these things. He just wants a willing heart empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's it. You know, I, I'm not, and I'm not discrediting training, like, because hear me. Some people be like, well, Pete, like, I just feel like I need to learn practical ways to share the gospel. I agree with that. That would be awesome. But that doesn't mean you put off this mission that you've been given until you feel like you're totally trained and equipped. That's not it at all. We're being called. Jesus is just looking for open and willing hearts. And if we believe that God is who he says he is, we can trust him with our weak words. Man, I, I don't need to be trained in how to share the gospel. If I'm stepping out in faith and just telling someone how Jesus changed my life, can't I trust God to blow on that and use it? He likes to use the weak things of the world, right? That's what Paul wrote. He said he, God didn't choose the strong and powerful things. No, he chose the weak things to shame the powerful things. He's chosen weak people to declare the most glorious message the world has ever seen. That's our God. See, you say, well, Pete, I mean, I, I just, I don't know, though. I, I wrestle with this because I really feel like I need to be trained. Well, Mark 5, we read about the Gerasene demoniac. This was a man who was more tormented, more plagued than, like, anyone ever. <laughs> I mean, this guy had legions of demons living in him. That's like something you would watch in a horror movie, right? You're like, oh my gosh, that's weird. He was filled with demons, and the description of this man was not very flattering. It said that he, was, um, he would cut himself with rocks. He was chained down, but he would break out of his chains. He would howl. I don't even, ugh. That's just weird, right? And Jesus steps onto the scene, and, and he doesn't just, like, leave it as is. Jesus steps on the scene. He does what he does. He heals this man. The Bible says that this man was fully restored, fully sane, and in his right mind. And that when the town saw him, they were like freaked out. Like, who's this Jesus guy? Because we've been trying to chain this man down for years. And he just kind of came on the scene and set him free in a moment. Is that right? So this guy gets set free. Everyone's blown away. And, and, and this man comes up to Jesus as Jesus is getting in his boat. He goes, Jesus, let me come with you, please. Let me come with you. I don't, I don't want to stay here anymore. Everyone hates me anyway. Let me come with you. And, and Jesus looks at this guy. This man who who probably got saved half hour ago, never been through ministry school, never been through training. He looks at this man and he says, 
No, actually, I want you to go back to your family, and I want you to go back to your friends, and I want you to tell them the amazing things that God has done in your life. What if it were that simple? Most of us, not all of us, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like everyone in here is at this place where we're fully surrendered and, and believing in Jesus, but most of us in this place would say that we're in here because God has somehow, some way touched us. What if it was just as simple as, as telling people every chance we get, man, this is how Jesus touched me. I'm scared. I don't want to. I'll tell you what. We've been going out on Saturday morning sharing the gospel with people. And, and just a little side note, I'm not just talking about intentional evangelism like I'm talking about right now in this moment. When I'm, when I'm giving this message, I'm talking about just living a life that every chance we get at work, at home, with our friends, we just talk about Jesus. But the, the past couple of weeks, we've been doing intentional outreach. And, and yesterday, we went up, we, me and Joy, we went up to this um, Muslim man. And we just started talking about Jesus. And I'm not even kidding. For 10 minutes, we just talked about Jesus. And everything that we said about Jesus, he said, that's, that's true. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. We didn't have this like guidebook of uh, how to share the gospel. We just were answering his questions and we told them how Jesus changed our life. See, the power of our testimony is so strong. Jesus didn't, and, and, and I've had my youth group students, like we, 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 we practice sharing the gospel and sharing our t- stories. They're like, well, some of us, like we just, we don't have that crazy of a story. We grew up in a Christian family, never really did that anything wrong. Like, we don't have a crazy testimony. And I want to tell you what, that is the biggest lie ever. There's not a testimony or a life story that's weak or powerless. If someone's in this room, like, well, I just known God my whole life, never had a crazy, no. That's not how it is. Because you know that apart from Jesus, you're eternally separated from God. It's a blessing that you were raised in a house like that. Because apart from that, apart from Jesus living in your heart, It's not good. It's not a good end of the story. There's not a single thing as a weak testimony. And what God has called us to do, what we see in the Great Commission, is to trust in what he's done. He's redeemed us. He's gained all authority. And now he's sending us out to carry on his work. Read that again. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you even to the end of the age. I I guarantee, I'm going to invite the band up actually, but I I guarantee each and every person in here, if if you talk with the Lord, if you ask him for boldness, if you ask him to fill you with his spirit and to lead you, and you just start every opportunity you get, tell someone how Jesus has changed your life. I guarantee that you'll see a seed sprout. And when that seed sprouts, Jesus has given us the blueprint of what to do. Teach them to live a life that obeys Jesus, that pleases God. It's not a heavy, burdensome call. This is the best call we've been given. I want to live a way, I want to live in a way that pleases God. (laughs) It's my joy. I want to do that. We teach them how to obey Jesus and then Get this, and there's the baptism, and and all these amazing things will take place. I guarantee it. And then Jesus says this. I love this. Be sure of this. I'm with you always. 
See, Jesus just isn't ruling from a throne above. His throne is eternal, and he is everywhere. His Spirit surrounds us. He fills us and will empower us. And He's promised us that as we take steps of faith, He will be there. Did you know that the first thing that Jesus said His Holy Spirit would do would be to comfort us? In our being bold, in our going out, Jesus says, I will be there with you. Honestly, it's not that big of a deal. I thought yesterday when we went up to this Muslim guy, we'd get shot down. I think that's a big misconception we have. No one wants to hear about the gospel. I tell you what, when you tell someone that they're valued enough that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would come and take their spot on a cross, they have open ears. They want to hear it. We've got to get rid of this fear of being scared to share about Jesus. He's promised that he'd be with us and he'd empower us to do it. It's really just making way for him to do it through us. That's what it is. Maybe you're like, well, I don't know what that looks like. Well, after this service, man, we'll be in the corner, we'll pray. Man, if you want, if you want to re- feel the Holy Spirit's power, if you want to be empowered by God, come, receive prayer. Totally welcome to do that. We'd love that. But this is, this is the Great Commission. It's Jesus inviting us to the mission that God's been on throughout the entire Bible bringing his children back to himself. We see it so clearly in Jesus. He took our spot on the cross. He redeemed us. He made us whole. Now we can stand before God without shame. I heard, I heard a guy say this one time. He goes, what would it be like uh, to wake up without guilt, shame, condemnation, fear, anxiety, depression? He goes, that's the gospel. And then he goes, I've been doing it for 30 years. And I was like, man, I want to that's the truth of the gospel is that Jesus on the cross took away all that stuff. He's given us a new name. He's given us a new identity. And now he stands before us. He goes, I've been given all authority. You've nothing to be scared of. Now go do what I was doing. It's not overcomplicated. Don't overcomplicate it. It's simple. I'm just going to talk about Jesus every chance that I get <laughs> and let him do the rest. So as we go into worship, Matt's going to come up really quick. But as we go into worship, be thinking about this. God, if, if, if you want to be more bold in your faith and your witness, ask that. Say, God, give me more boldness. Give me more courage. I want to be like you. So yeah, 